one. I just want to hear you. You want to hear my beautiful tones? <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's how I start the podcast, is it? <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> We've started. We've started. The podcast okay, has started. Sorry, gone, you wanted to hear my beautiful tones. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the IGN UK podcast. My name is Dale, and today I'm joined by Jesse Gomez. Oh, it's just so good to be here. Hello. <laughs> oh, that didn't sound sincere at all. Are you actually happy to be here, Jesse? I'm always happy to be here. Yeah, okay. And I'm also joined by Matt Persley. How are you doing, Matt? Hello. I'm all right. Thank you, Dale. How yeah. are you? I'm, I'm, do you know what? I'm fantastic. Thank good. Thank you very much wow, for Wow, that's good. Yeah. So what have we been up to this week? We've seen some things. Well, you two specifically have seen and played some things that we're going to talk about. I've and seen the first things, Dale. <laughs> I have seen things, yeah. <laughs> we're not talking about that, we're talking about video games specifically. And I guess we'll kick off with Far Cry 6, which is a game that's just coming out like really soon, actually, like, surprisingly yeah. soon. Yeah, Matt, you've played, soon. Yeah, Matt, you've played a shitload of it. Yeah, like over five hours of it, yeah. which is wild, really, considering like it's got to be fairly close to the finished product at this mm. stage, right? So, So I've kind of... I can't say I felt what it genuinely feels like because I played it through a system called Parsec, which is how video games journalists currently are getting their hands on unreleased games, which is that they're sort of streamed kind of Stadia style. Mm. Um, but yeah, I've played a, a chunk of it. Um, they started a software I got to play from the start of the game. So I've played oh, cool. kind of like the introductionary full section nice. and then they kind of catapulted us further through the campaign so that we could have a character that's kind of a bit more built up and experience what later elements of the game are going to be like. Yeah. And um, it's definitely a Far Cry game, I can tell you that, <laughs> which I mean, is... I would say that that's I'm a massive fan of Far Cry games anyway, so that's mm -hmm. kind of music to me. It's, but there are games that are like built for me for, you know, like checklists yeah. and ticking off and collecting things and stuff, but also Trophies. having like a mental time as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but you say that sort of with a, you know, a hint of negativity. So what yeah. are you thinking? So I will point out that I also really like the Far Cry series and have done until Far Cry 5, in which case I started to feel that like it's new micro evolution i suppose you'd say it wasn't mm. like a big change to five mm. but there are enough things there that were just like i'm not entirely sure if this is going in the direction i want to a new dawn continued that and took yeah. it to a place where i really didn't like so new dawn is actually the only far cry game that i've never played all the way through yeah um and luckily, what I will say is that Far Cry 6 is substantially reining back a lot of the stuff I didn't like about New Dawn. So that very kind of RPG-ish kind of feel yeah. that New Dawn had, um, a lot of that has disappeared. There's no kind of um, stat trees anymore. Um, okay. Everything is to do with gear. Um, and that kind of very Borderlands-like spongy health bars. Um, the health bars still exist, but in general, like they're not as bullet spongy as they used to be but yeah. they still are more bullet spongy than they were in like yeah. three and four what, and what you would really five. want to be fair yeah so i think the reason why i love far cry is it's got a bit of that i think everybody knows that this is podcast a lot like i love games like dishonored and deus ex and thief mm. and obviously far cry has a little bit of that to it and it's it's the one ubisoft game that's very much like have at it in whatever way you want you can go all guns blazing you can stealth your way through you can use kind of the systems in the world be that kind of blowing up crates to get fire to spill into a camp <laughs> yeah. or, or let loose a bear on them or you know like a cheater or whatever it's all of those things that i like um and when you kind of rob the stealth element from me because not every bullet or arrow will kill someone in one that 
starts to get my mind kind of ticking a bit. It's like, what's going on here? And why are you kind of taking things away from me? And where are you maybe giving me things that I didn't have before to make up for that? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think with Far Cry 6, a lot of that comes in like the Resolve Air kind of stuff. Yeah. So the whole idea, and I think Dale, you know a lot about this because you actually did had like a talk on how all of these mm. things worked, I remember a few months ago. But basically you can collect scrap from around the world and you can fit it together to make weapons. So it does mean there's a lot of that kind of collecting 20 bolts that I found in the side of this shed and picking up a sheet of metal that I found under this bush. There's a lot of that, which I'm not entirely sure how I feel about like constantly having to look for collectibles everywhere. But when you fit those bits together, you can create some like really satisfying, like chunky, absurd weaponry. So there's this thing called like the La Clavadora, which is like if you imagine a crossbow, but it actually fires harpoons instead. And that's (laughs) got a really satisfying like thunk on it. But it kind of also works into the normal weapons as well. So you've got these big kind of showpiece things, which also include everybody's seen like the rockets in the backpack. Yeah. yeah. And there's one where it's it's got like um like flamethrowers on the back, so it'll like boost you up like a rocket yourself, but creates like a ring of fire out from you that burns people. And then there's ones that like EMPs that fry all the electronics around you and all those kind of deals. But this Resolve Air system like works then into standard weaponry. So, for example, if you're finding that you're going out and there's lots of... Because there are different enemy tiers. So let's say there are lots of, like... I don't know what they call it, but let's call them lieutenants, let's say. And they're yeah. a bit more armoured. They wear helmets and stuff like that. Where if you shoot them in the head with a sniper rifle, they're not going to die because they're wearing helmets. So you need to go to a Resolve Air station and build armor-piercing bullets for your yeah, okay. for your guns. So it's not a case that you have to build individual bullets for the gun. It's just like, you mod this weapon, so now this weapon is an armor-piercing gun. Oh, so right. it okay. becomes kind of a deal of, you can always carry four weapons. There's none of the having to make bandoliers so you can carry an extra gun this time. That sounds really handy. You can always carry four, and it's about making sure that those four cover like the eventualities of the combat system the combat encounters you think you're going to get involved in so with the sniper you're not like saying i'm swapping the ammo to armor piercing it's now just overall an armor piercing sniper Mm -hmm. that's really that's really interesting actually because um i don't know if i'm confident enough to pronounce it resolve air so i'm just gonna say resolver (laughs) uh the um but that philosophy obviously was like from when I when I was in that talk, they were talking very much how you know it's it's a Cuban philosophy, and that's mm-hmm. you know part of the world, what of Yara, which is inspired by Cuba. They've kind of built that into the systems, but I I felt like that was purely sort of um, sort of a flamboyant thing. But Aesthetic, it's actually yeah. yeah yeah. But it's it sounds like it's purely like it's built into the systems as well, mm-hmm. which is quite interesting. Yeah, which I like. On there's a lot of that stuff that I like, but also I worry that what happens if I get to a camp. And the four things that I thought were important actually don't apply to this camp. And it just means that a lot of the camps seem to have like workbenches outside them, which kind of is a bit, (laughs) what's this doing here? You know, that's (laughs) very handily positioned. But it does mean that you can go back and obviously just, okay, this assault rifle just isn't any good for what I want it. So I'm going to pull all these magazines out, going to take this scope off, change that. Mm. Um, But I sometimes find that, and this is something that I think Ubisoft is guilty about, the misinterpretation of what options mean for you as a player. So, for example, with this system, you can build... 
I think I'm right in saying it was six different silencers for a gun. Okay. What the fuck do I want six different <laughs> yeah. silencers for? The meaningful decision here is do I want the gun to be loud or do I want it to be silenced? And yeah. most games will trade that off as if you want the silence, the bullet isn't quite as powerful and yeah, you yeah, might have to get a little like, yeah. You yeah. might have to get a little bit closer to get the full damage potential out yeah. of it, but you do get to stay quiet. I don't understand what six silences is supposed to offer me. Like all of them are just like, oh, this one has a little bit more damage, but a little less silence. And I'm like, yeah. that's these are all very, very small incremental differences that I don't understand what it offers me. Yeah. There's also it's got three in that demo. There were three different laser pointers. I don't even like. Yeah, yeah. I get. I don't Barely really get the one. silencers, <laughs> but I get the laser pointers less. Like, what yeah. what difference could there be there? I, so it's interesting because that like it kind of reminds me of another Ubisoft game, which is like the most recent Assassin's Creed, which mm -hmm. feels like not in terms of like weaponry. Well, I suppose in terms of weaponry as well, but in terms of overall content, they just feel unnecessarily but there's too much choice and mm -hmm. too many options yeah. where i'd prefer it to be like double down on what you know you could small at. the good things <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and make them the best they can be it feels like yeah they're, they're throwing too much in there almost yeah mm. and you know to a degree there were things like so i uh, you know love valhalla i think it's probably my favorite of the assassin's creed um mm. but i think the way that Valhalla is built almost like the systems kind of feel like there's a distinct like connection between all of them like it's very much about Vikings landing on this on this new country yeah. and setting up their kind of I don't want to say invasion force they're not that brutal <laughs> but their their society in this yeah. island and a lot of it felt like it was linked to that whereas mm. the revolution sort of thing that this game is getting at a feels a little bit cartoonier than I yes. wanted it to be. Yeah. Definitely getting that vibe. Yeah. Um, I think I really wanted this to go back to kind of like the the hostility feel of um, like three, um, probably four as well, and two. Like mm. I think those games have got a real strong identity, and I think the reason why I didn't click so much with five is I think its identity began to crumble because it wanted to talk about this really serious kind of cult decision, but it got zombies in it. And, yeah. and you know well it did all it could to make sure that it could put zombies in it zombies in inverted commas and yeah. mad republicans that were trying to run for like um a thing that you went and hung out with because they were funny and there yeah. was a mission where you were yeah. running over balls to get bull testicles i think there's it feels like a series that's going through like, almost like a bit of an identity crisis yeah like it mm -hmm. doesn't really know like it's skirting the line of two ideas like you say like you know you've got this serious like um, revolution like you know this this almost like a dictatorship and then like yeah. people tyranny mm -hmm. and power and whatnot and then you've also got um, a CD launcher that plays the Macarena when you're shooting yeah. people as well and it's, and like, it's like what's the tone would, would, yeah. would you mm -hmm. want it to go as far as like Far Cry 2 where there's not much humour in Far Cry 2 because no. that like no. I played that recently again it's like a fairly like a bit oh, of a downer of a game oh it's brutal and yeah, I do I like Far like Cry 2 a lot but I think mm. for me the tone that I like, which I think three and four get pretty well done, you know, they are starting to date a little bit now, but yeah. it's the battlefield formula for me. So the game needs to be quite po-faced and serious and be dealing with kind of like life or death topics. But it's the systems in the world that allow you to do the bananas batshit stuff that means that you as a player get to have a lot of fun. But yeah. the tone of the world remains like consistent. So... Mm. 
I don't, for example, one of the quests that you do in this is that they showed us in the demo. You kind of recruit a murder rooster, like it's a chicken that <laughs> goes around and like it's self-conscious enough that it knows it wants to bring down the dictatorship <laughs> and it like runs into the government offices and starts wrecking all of Giancarlo yeah. Esposito's documents. That to me is like too far to the weird like i want yeah. the weird stuff to be the things that i elect to do yeah. and yeah, like yeah, yeah. i realize that if i use this weapon in this way in conjunction with this animal i'm going to be able to create like a mad firestorm and have everybody kind of like running for their mothers yeah whereas this has still got that thing where that weirdness is still feels like it's slightly leaking into the main plot i think the main mm-hmm. plot is still quite serious but there's still that thought of you are talking about quite lofty things here and i do think that far cry is i know a lot of people don't think but i think far cry is capable of tackling that seriously it's just that there's too much borderlands to it to a degree Mm. i've just had an idea Mm -hmm. right ubisoft you can have this (laughs) yeah Uh, they all listen don't they (laughs) they they, um adopt the forza strategy Right, where you release, you release a, maybe the numbered games where it's it's serious story yeah. and, and like, you know, still fun to be had, like you said, but not with mm-hmm. like murderous roosters running around. Yeah. And then you have a mid-game like New Dawn where you just go crazy and have a little whack, have fun yeah. with it. Have like, your like horiz- what, um, Far Cry Horizon, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, you can take that, Ubisoft. I, th- I think that's why I tuned out a bit with Far Cry because I remember completing Far Cry 2 like when I was in school and stuff and then jumped to Far Cry 3 seemed pretty substantial. And then... Mm. The games afterwards, like, it might sound silly, got a bit too Saints Row silly for me. Like, it started to get a bit too wacky, and I think that's where I tuned out. Okay. See, stuff. I like I like the silly stuff, to be honest. Um, mm. and I it's like have, what Matt said, I'd rather create it myself in a world that's a bit more grounded and a bit more serious, where, or, you know... Or the, or the option is, you know, you go full-on silly, you make your bad mm-hmm. guy yeah. silly, you make your, your story silly, and I'm, I'd be fine with that as well. It's just this, this sort of trying to have their cake and eat it sort of yeah, situation. Yeah, five was meant sure to be like a serious situation given the background, like you said, Matt, and the same for this sequel as well. But then you have killer roosters and a cute chihuahua dog named Chorizo. Like it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't add up. Mm-hmm. I'm pleased you can pronounce Chorizo. I, uh, I had a few people in the comments on our video saying I can't pronounce Spanish. It's like, no shit, I'm British and I've never lived in Spain. Yeah. Just um, say chorizo, mate. Yeah. I love chorizo. <laughs> But um, yeah, there's like, as you say, there's a lot of systems that don't always feel like they're quite fit. Um, Mm. The one thing that I also, that was just a bit like, "Mm, I don't know how I feel about this is all the cutscenes are in third person, which initially it was like, okay, this is a cool way of letting me see my character. And then the moment um, Esposito turns up on the scene, you realize that that system robs Far Cry of one of its, one of the best things I think about Far Cry, which is having a villain grab you and look you yeah, in the eye. Intensity. Yeah. yeah. And I'm really worried that it's going to be like every story sequence will be done in third person, which mm. means you'll never get that opportunity to stare like Gus from Breaking Bad in his <laughs> eyes, that, which yeah, is the fantasy, really. Yeah. I would say the idea of the. Um, because they haven't done third-person cutscenes in a long time, have they? If this like, the first game was the last one yeah. to have third-person cutscenes. <laughs> um, i, I, I got to say, I am kind of sick of the silent protagonist who you sort of mould in your vision. I, I want yeah. a story to be told to me, like, give me the character that you've written, that's yeah. what I've written. Yeah, so yeah, I, I'm sure. on board with that, but you make a valid point about, the, yeah, there's every Far Cry has that scene where the villain's face is dominating the screen yeah. in your mm-hmm. face, right? And yeah, yeah, we're losing mm-hmm. out on that, which is a shame. Yeah. 
but, you but, know, po- I, but positively though like I mean I, I've not played it but I've seen mm-hmm. a lot of it and it's still like the fun aspect of it looks it looks so much fun the world looks beautiful and yeah. amazing and like fascinating to explore as well yeah, yeah it's like, co-op as well isn't it mm-hmm. yeah and Sweet. I've played it in co-op and yeah I don't want to be I think I'm down like giving those kind of down points just because like I actually do expect quite a lot out of Far Cry I still yes. think it's yeah. fundamentally one of Ubisoft's best game series yeah it's a flagship um, kind of and, series like Yara, so much more of a, of a, not just a pretty, but like more environmentally interesting than what Far Cry 5 was. There's so much variation in the, like the topography of the map, which mm. means that like, the areas that you can drive kind of the cars around, which are obviously a big deal because it's got this kind of Havana kind of 1950s old vehicles in it. Yeah. But there are also a lot of kind of more jungle and mountainous areas, which A, remind me a lot of Far Cry 2, so that becomes quite fond. Yeah. But also, um, you get horses now, so you can kind of go up with these very narrow kind of treks, mm. um, and you get that kind of freedom. Um, it is definitely battling, because this is coming out on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One as well, isn't it? Right, okay. You can tell that it's battling against that. Like, everything <laughs> looks great, but it's almost like it's not as good as it could do. Yeah. And you know that there's like... I wish that there had been time to have allowed everybody to have shifted over to uh, to mm. a new generation. But ultimately, you can't do that, especially in a point where those consoles are basically next to impossible to get at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I'm sure the, ne- the next gen, ver- well, the new yeah. gen version will have like, you know, a better consistent frame rate and yeah. load faster I'd imagine definitely yeah it's just that kind of like you notice that sometimes like the the watches for example that you can have on your wrist they almost look like they've been molded into the character rather Not than like sexual items yeah. that you have mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> uh, but it's still like a strikingly good looking world the guns still feel I think Far Cry has always had some of my favourite guns and by virtue of it being in a world where there are trade embargoes and people don't have like modern stuff they've got that really nice rattle to it and guns yes. like yeah. smoke when they fire i love all of that kind of stuff that makes you feel like you like it's got personality and there's an authenticity to it so that's still great on camps where like there aren't people that are going to ruin your shots boy the headshots feel good and being able yeah. to stealth a camp and you also because like the first silence that you put on is not a silencer but he's an oil filter um <laughs> you can see as you fire it the muzzle kind of almost like like the flash inside the um the the oh, tube like the that you've got on the stuff, end yeah. it's like you can see that bottle gradually overheating as each flash that flares cool. up That's and eventually really like the ability of that oil filter to maintain the suppression just bursts so there's fire <laughs> leaking out the side of it and your guns are loud again it's got all of these little touches that i do like about far cry are there so um, are, you, are you dealing with re- like wear and tear again with weapons no no okay. it's just that there's like a visual wear and tear and it's kind oh, of like, right, right. It's like a the cool best, down maybe or something yeah it's kind of a bit like you know how like in the star wars games like the laser blasters will overheat and you have to wait yeah, for yeah, them yeah. to go it's like that essentially so it gives you that kind of wear and tear kind of feel without cool. it being annoying because far cry 2 went a bit too far where like your guns are exploding in your hands mm. after like, too a minute of, of all those systems <laughs> didn't it far mm-hmm. cry 2 I, yeah. could, I could never get past the first couple of hours in that game <laughs> I was like, no, when i was like dying from malaria like, all yeah. the time. <laughs> i was like no this is not fun yeah but um the 
like things like checkpoints are back but they mm. um they'll restaff if you don't um like properly take them over but if you smash up the stat well there's normally like billboards with castillo's face on it yeah. if you smash those up then your guys take them over and that checkpoint becomes yours right. um yeah. i think it's encampments they're very similar to what they used to be which is oh i always think has been a good system but now they're kind of based on real places within the world so like one mm. of them that i went to was a coffee factory sort of makes sense that you'd yeah, want yeah, to take over cool. a coffee factory to make sure your staff were well stocked up on <laughs> yeah. beans um so i like that and like one of them was if you watch our video that that me and dale put together for for this there's one of those camps is a helicopter base but it's been built in a um in a museum that's an easter egg for far cry primal because it's full of like the mammoths and the the kind of cavemen yeah. of that game so lots of the stuff that i still really like about far cry that's in it and i am genuinely quite like into playing it mm. it's just i don't know if kind of like all of the niggly bits will eventually be deaf by a thousand cuts or yeah. whether i'll like learn to love those systems for what they are when you were tackling those camps and you know hitting mm -hmm. up these missions and environments did it feel like they were built specifically for two players or are they still somewhat feasible for one player like did you notice anything like changes when i it comes honestly to didn't like I don't know if they add more enemies in when you've got a second person with you because yeah. the, the bits that I did that had enemies in were quite difficult in co-op. Um, mm. Part of that might be, A, I've got to deal with the lag over the streaming service and B, I've not played a Far Cry game for a very long time, so getting <laughs> back into that rhythm. Yeah. It's always, you know, when you go back to them, you realise Ubisoft does make challenging games. Like, I can remember the first time playing Watch Dogs and realising you go down really quickly. Yeah. And yeah. Far Cry is the same. Like, you don't have a lot of health. No, I played and, Far Cry 2 recently, and I found, I was like, how was this that hard? Because I yeah. completed this game back in the day, and I was getting frustrated now. Mm. It's mad considering they make very mainstream games that, on for like you know four hours in and you're very very comfortable with it but initially mm. they can be surprisingly challenging but um as two players it just felt like i was playing the game as i yeah, would yeah. as a single player okay. but with a buddy and it is just two players isn't it mm -hmm. yeah okay cool. with that um that two player thing you've you've just reminded me of something jesse and i'm going to put a call to action out there <laughs> so um so i'm working on a far cry project right now and i'm capturing games and stuff and i installed far cry new dawn again and i realized I was one trophy away from the platinum in that game, and that one trophy was three expeditions with a co-op partner. <laughs> That's all, only three, and I never did it. Uh, so, call to action: If anyone wants to play Far Cry New Dawn with me on PlayStation, <laughs> DM me on Twitter because I want to get that trophy. I want that platinum. <laughs> but I don't think I know anybody who's played the game to en enough where you get to play like high-level expeditions. So. I don't even think I have a copy on the PS5 or well, PlayStation in general. Hit me up anyway. <laughs> Jesse, you've been playing a game as well. Yes. A, scar I, a scary game. Yeah, supposedly it's meant to be. Um, <laughs> All right, our case. Right, so, so you've, been, you've been playing House of Ashes, right? Yeah, House of Ashes. And mind you, I've not played a lot of it. And this was a preview build specifically that I played on PC. And it picks up about an hour or so into the game and roughly lasts about 45 minutes or so. Okay, I just um, realized we, we've got to say as well that um, it's a dark anthology game so it's following on for not following on but it's in the same vein as man of medan and what was the yeah. other one um little hope little hope there we go but yeah it's um it's from the developers supermassive games and they made until dawn and all those similar kind of titles yes. um now i think the reason like house of ashes stood out to me initially was um you know compared to the previous titles it's mainly the setting because before you were in a supposedly haunted ship with man and medan you had a witchcraft based story and little hope 
And now with House of Ashes, you're taking control of a military group on a mission to find weapons of mass destruction okay. during the 2000, 2003 invasion of Iraq, which is already an incredibly heavy setting to have as a backdrop. I don't think they're going to have like Macarena fire <laughs> guns, are they? <laughs> this one. It's quite yeah. po-faced, I imagine. But in, in the preview itself, I was, you know, swapping between, as you do in these games, um, like Ashley Tisdale's character, who I can't remember uh, their name for. She's a CIA operative. And then you have also a local soldier, part of the uh, Iraq army. So you've got two different perspectives and also two very different sides, which is quite interesting for a game like this. Um, but Rachel from King I've, is her name. That's it. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> but from what I've played and also what I heard the game director himself say when I interviewed him a little while back is that House of Ashes isn't really going to be delving into the psychological aspects of war and, you know, how it can, you know, torment the people affected by it. And to me, that would be... I would consider that to be effective horror and something a little bit new that I haven't really seen a game tackle like, you know, Jacob's Ladder, for example, a film like that, kind of tackling topics like that. Yeah. And I was a bit disappointed by the resulting enemy of the game, which is just physically a monster. And I feel like the marketing has made that quite clear as well, because I know some people okay. were upset in Man of Medan because the threats in that game was <laughs> mainly because people inhaled a shit ton of toxic fumes yeah, and I'm were struggling basically to remember. Like, tripping. I've, I finished the game, but I'm struggling to remember what happened. Is that what it is? It was all in their heads. Yeah, like on the Spoilers Man of Medan ship, it was just like some bad, <laughs> naughty gas that they inhaled and they just tripped balls for the rest of the game. <laughs> I can barely remember it. To be honest. So, I remember like, the Until Dawn one was the, um, the Wendigos, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was quite cool because it was a proper physical threat. And I think it worked for that game. Um, but... Like, in this game, it's just a weird-looking bat creature that lives within these, you know, old ruins of an empire aging, you know, thousands of years ago. And I don't know, I think for a story like this, especially with that backdrop, I wanted the horror aspect to play more into that, like the psychological aspects. Okay. So I think that would work better for, you know, the subject of war. I mean, um, you've, to be fair, you've only seen 40 minutes of it. Like, yeah, yeah. I imagine it's probably about a 10 hour game or something. So they might, yeah. they might go to different places with the story. No, for sure. And I think you're going to see that with the differences between the US side and obviously the Iraq army side, because you're going to be controlling a soldier from that side too, which is cool. But mechanically though, it's, it's pretty the much same. the same as like, yeah, the previous game, you know, you're going to be exploring rooms, picking up different clues, finding stone tablets, which act as premonitions of future choices or future failures, and obviously playing through a bunch of quick time events. Yeah. But the biggest difference this time is, funnily enough, how the camera controls. So the previous games have had a mix of, you know, fixed and cinematic camera angles. Mm. This is a bit more direct. This is a bit more Gears of War or like Resident Evil 4. Over the shoulder. You'll pre yeah, you'll press one of the bumpers and you'll activate your flashlight. And since you're with soldiers... They all have flashlights on their guns. So it's it's as if you're holding LT or one of the bumpers all the time. You know, you're aiming your gun, you're kind of aiming around looking through the environment. But in reality, and this was in the advertising, touted as like, you know, this is the big improvement in this game. It's not as responsive as you would want. Okay. Because the because at least with Resident Evil 4 or Gears of War, you're aiming directly where you want to. And in this, you're kind of doing that, but the 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 environments and the character itself they still kind of have a mind of their own it's kind of like you're dragging your controller to to, to aim where you want to and you don't really huh. want that in a game where you know you're meant to explore, be exploring these beautiful environments it's just not quite... how do you mean like is it not like a one to one sort of response no it, it feels you know how uncharted in uncharted like the aiming feels a bit weighty at times especially uncharted four um, where you're aiming and you're kind of like dragging it and like you can feel the the weight of you know particular guns. Yeah. Except with this, 
it's it's a bit too weighty but also a bit too floaty like the it's not directly responsive as what you, you want change your speed in the options i didn't even check <laughs> to be fair i mean you, you can but i think inherently it's not as responsive as you would right, want anyway yeah. when you're just with those default options sure. but like I said, mechanically, it's similar to the other games. There are some, like, cool moments. There's one part where, you know, the monster itself is stalking you and you're dragging an injured soldier along. And okay. there's a moment where it's right next to you and you're button mashing to keep this injured soldier from screaming. But if you do it too much, you accidentally suffocate him. Oh, which Are you actually <laughs> um, interested in playing the full game? Do you think you're going to do it after this? Oh, like, absolutely. Because, like, I love horror games and stuff. You know, either it's this or, you know, the upcoming Dead Space or Resident Evil 4 VR and stuff. Like, I'm going to be playing these new releases, but... I've, I don't think they've quite reached the highs of Until Dawn. I know that game got a bit of a mixed reception, but I feel like the production value and just... Yeah, I feel like, like Until Dawn was quite fun compared to the oh, Dark Pages anthology. I thought it was fantastic, and I've been a bit lukewarm on them since then. I didn't play the last one, to be honest. Um, yeah, like, I, I don't know if it's because, you know, they're planning these multiple different games and they're working on maybe tighter, like, schedules and stuff like that, but Until Dawn just felt a bit more fleshed out compared to what the Dark Pictures yeah. is offering. It's I would weird. say, like... Maybe this is a personal preference, but the prem—they haven't had a premise that sold me since Until yeah. Dawn. I think that like Man of Dan, even though I played it on paper, it sounded pretty dull. I thought, and yeah. the same with—I keep forgetting what it's called. House of Ash? No, this, that's no, this no, Little Hope. Hope. Little, Little Hope. Hope. Yeah, um, like I liked the idea of playing like a teenager slasher horror movie. So yeah. I think Why haven't they Dawn? done like more slashes or more kind of yeah. like you know? Yeah, it doesn't feel like. I guess maybe they want to find their own ground in horror mm. but i mm. almost feel like the the thrill of until dawn is the ability to play in the sort of movies that you like yeah. and i feel a lot of these kind of cinematic style horror games benefit from finding the things that you love about horror cinema and then yeah. doing yeah. something with them um rather than like maybe this is just being reductive but i think more traditional video games like something like dead space or, or resi yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah. benefits from making its own horror tropes and universes and stuff yeah, like cause, that because you're more so directly partaking in those games whilst mm -hmm. in this it is just you know at the end of the day it's qtes and dialogue options and we've yeah. seen that you know done arguably better with like telltales the walking dead yeah and well, stuff and i feel better by their own game <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's what, the thing that's what's mad and that's why like a dream scenario would be like please just do a nightmare on elm street game or aliens or if something they, like that if they'd like teamed up with netflix and it was like the fear street trilogy That'd done as video yeah. games i'd yeah. be well into that yeah totally yeah. i love i love those films out there. i thought mm -hmm. they were really yeah. good yeah but, um yeah like yeah have you tried have have you tried the mode that they have on those games where it's like a spectator mode with other people and you can vote on the options and stuff? Have you tried I, I've never messed around with that just because you don't even need to make use of that mode. Like, me and my partner, we've played for all of these games and it's like, we just decide amongst ourselves, like, oh, that character yeah. you want to play? Do you yeah. hand the controller? I don't need, like, a, a specific gamified mode to tell me to pass the controller. I guess, I guess it's for a different audience, right? Mm -hmm. Like, for people who so. are not familiar with controllers, but they still, like, enjoy the process. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I got my wife to play. It wasn't that good of a game, but do you remember Hidden Agenda? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was like, but you used, you used um, an app on your phone to make choices and stuff, and she was oh, into okay. that. And she, mm -hmm. we played a bit in the office as well, and we had fun with it. Um, as is well. Hidden Agenda the one that was made by Supermassive? I, I think it might well have been, yes. After it was, Until Dawn, they made kind of like a noir police detective kind of game, I think, that I yeah, never Yeah, so I played. played that one, which was a PlayLink game, which you did yes. with an app. And oh, okay. There was like it was eight Supermassive, of us. yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. So, mm. yeah, I, 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 I thought that was like... 
So I hated that. I thought it was garbage, which is why I've never played any of their versions of that. So yeah. I liked, I was just going to say, like, the, um, the idea of that game and, like, the campiness I kind of liked, but the actual plot was fucking nonsense. Like, <laughs> so the, the main bad guy was called the, the Trapper as well. And guess what he does? He puts you in traps. Oh, it was like a sore wow. light thing. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we never finished it, to be fair. And I think it was only, like, a four-hour game. Yeah. As well. yeah. But I like the idea that anybody could play it with their app. Is, you know, like, the Play Link in general, I think, is a cool idea. I just think it, it's a tough sell to make you know it's when a playstation mm-hmm. is kind of more of a sort of hardcore console maybe yeah. I'm wrong in saying yeah. that but yeah that's that was kind of my thought process on it and this thing this isn't even the final game it's not meant to be a trilogy at the end of the day it's an anthology and they have a bunch more yes. ideas planned and if all goes well they'll be making more of these games but at this point it's just all been a bit it's just like do you know what it's okay what i think so far it's all a bit gray and brown yeah and that's from like the presentation of all these games they always feel yeah. a bit mucky that and i i want to see so like you said about fear street matt you know how the presentation is all neon and that bright, 90s slick like, kind yeah, of stuff yeah, yeah. like i'd love to see them take on that sort of style like and they kind of did with under dawn but that's still pretty dark like mm-hmm. mm. go for like vibrancy you know yeah. and, and so, something completely off the deep end compared to what they've been working on um, but I do want to. I do want to check out the new game as well. I should go back and play Little Hope at some point because, like you, Jesse, I love horror games and stuff. You yeah. shook your head at me there. You're not brave <laughs> enough to say that on audio, mate. Don't play it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so games that I have been playing recently. So we spoke about this last week on the podcast. I think Cardi had played both Twelve Minutes and Forgotten City. I don't know if he'd finished Twelve Minutes at that point. Matt, I know you've played Twelve Minutes. Have you played Forgotten City as well? I have not played Forgotten okay. City. I have genuinely, aside from the fact that I know that it was a Skyrim mod at one point in its life, I have no idea what it is. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, and just you've played a substantial amount of Forgotten City as well, right? And Twelve Minutes. Like, yes. If it wasn't for Cardi describing Forgotten City during the podcast, I would have completely ignored it and that would have been a huge mistake. 100%. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Like His description of it sold it to me. So if anyone does no, these two games they came out around a similar time uh, they're both games that uh, the whole premise is about a time loop is about repeating the same period of time learning information making changes as you go trying to solve a mystery basically that's yeah. that's kind of what they've got in common in terms of how they play uh, I'm sure people know this already but I'll just say just in case 12 minutes is very much like it's all in one apartment and it's a top down perspective it's very much a point and click adventure sort of thing which uh, Matt I remember you and Cardi talking about the controls it didn't didn't really phase me too much oh, I really? yeah I, but I, I used it on a controller but mm-hmm. I didn't have the option to play it on a PC so I didn't yeah. have much yeah. of a choice if I wanted mm-hmm. to play it that's the way it went and uh, the Forgotten Sea is like Matt said it was based on a Skyrim mod so it's it looks and feels and plays like Skyrim so it's first person and the conversation is when you start a conversation with someone, it zooms right into their head and then you get dialogue options underneath. That's very much the vibe we're going for. Yep. Um, I think, Jesse, you mentioned it this morning about like the narrative of these two games now is if like 12 minutes is not as good as everyone wanted it to be and The Forgotten City is, if you're looking for that, that's what this is. That's the solution, right? Yeah, because that, that's the thing. I don't... I haven't really played many games that mess around with the idea of a time loop other than Outer Wilds. That was kind of my first introduction to that kind of mechanic. And I was quite excited to play 12 Minutes because it had this sort of, you know, cinematic production value to it. It had, you know, big talent like um, bloody James McAvoy, Daisy Ridley and, you know, Willem Dafoe, who I love. Chopper Dafoe. Yeah, (laughs) but just the game just kind of falls flat regarding 12 Minutes. Like the dialogue and tone is a bit disjointed and you have this amazing talent in the game and you don't get much out of it because from that view which is top down you don't get to make that emotional connection with yeah. these characters and just the way the game plays it feels 
restrictive i'd say with 12 minutes like when i started i i quite enjoyed it and i think the premise is like fantastic and it's like a really like it made me really want it like i had to sit in my my xbox is in my office so i had to sit in my office on my desk play and i hate <laughs> playing games at my desk so that's how much <laughs> i was into the idea of playing this game but i think like you you're right about the the dialogue like it's all over the place in terms of yeah. like how it strings together but i also feel like overall and something the forgotten city did is like it sort of the game always felt behind my thought process where forgotten yes. city was always ahead of my thought process mm -hmm. so for 12 minutes there was like there's a major twist at, towards the end of 12 minutes like i'm not gonna say what it is but i'd worked that out long before the game would let me work that out yeah. Like I knew I knew what the answers were and I knew like and I was like, all right, what objects have I got to click to make this go to the next bit? <laughs> that's and that's I, exactly what I had as well. And yeah. I found and that really insulting of my time. Yeah, yeah. so um obviously me and Lucy and Cardi spoke about this a, a few weeks ago when we literally only just played like a couple of hours each of it. Hmm. Um and at the time I, I was quite liking it because my understanding of like I was listening to things that people were saying and realizing that it linked to solutions to puzzles and so it made me feel very clever because then mm. on the next loop i could put those things yeah. into action and i think the first half of um 12 minutes is actually pretty good yes yeah. um as you get towards the end and it forces you to like you end up having to repeat things a lot in yes. order to try and change one variable and sometimes that variable is you might know which variable you have to change but it's very very finicky about when you make that variable yes. change yeah there's a bunch of choices oh. near the end where if you not not spoilers but there was this one moment where one of the characters having a conversation with the other character and the situation is rather diffused and then I walked up to one of these characters and asked a single question yeah. and I got punched and killed. <laughs> yes. And by that point, I was like, what the fuck is happening? But, you, but so don't much. tell me, you were trying to do exactly the right thing, but yes. you had to wait yes. for a specific <laughs> moment to be able to, yeah. Oh, so God. all of that full spot. I actually, I know there's a lot of discourse around the twist. Mm. Yeah. Actually, I think the twist is like kind of not great, but I don't find it like physically repulsive no. which a lot of people have but i think the end of it is absolute fucking garbage and i oh, felt like yeah. i wasted my time when it, i got it, to the end of it 100%. it wasn't it wasn't one of those stories or endings where you know you're trying to grapple it afterwards you know trying to better understand it and stuff for me i was just like who thought this was a good idea just yeah. fundamentally that's what i was left with no satisfaction at i also all. felt yeah. the ending it like it never felt like it ended like it ended and then I don't know if you guys have hit continue afterwards and then you, you, you're back in a new, then you're in a new situation and then you get like, it just sort of like limps over the finish line and it never feels <laughs> yeah. definitive mm -hmm. at any point. Did you, did you roll credits? Did you actually get the credits yeah. roll? Yeah, because yeah, there are some endings which feel like endings like unsatisfying endings but they don't when they don't roll the credits it's not an official yeah. ending yeah because yeah. there are three different versions of the way that game can end yeah. all three of them are not great so when i finished it, i just googled what like alternatives yeah. and just saw it and i'm like yeah no interest in going and doing that <laughs> mm -hmm. and this yeah. is a guy who loves going and doing this stuff for trophies mm -hmm. and stuff yeah. but i had no interest whereas anyway uh, sorry, back um, on point. No, sorry. Forgotten uh, City. Yeah, I want to know what makes this good. So yeah, with where's like my big thing was with twelve minutes. It didn't respect my time. Like just quickly, one tiny little example from twelve minutes as well is Forgotten City does this fantastically. Is when you hear or see something, the game remembers it immediately, and you can use that as ammunition immediately. Mm -hmm. Whereas in twelve minutes, there's several occasions where I gathered that information long before but it wouldn't let me put that information into action until I went yeah. on the new time loop and went and got that information again. Mm -hmm. And I felt that part was like insulting of my time. Whereas the Forgotten mm. City, is it, if anything, it like, 
it makes the most of your time. Like there's there's several things that you have to do in a loop to to get to the next step, right? And then, but then later on in the game, when you restart a loop, it will give you the option to almost fast forward through that sort of stuff right. in a way that makes perfect sense in the story. I don't want to say what it is because it spoils yeah. it a bit, but it, it's almost like it's, it understands that you don't want to waste your time going through these motions. You're just eager to solve the mystery, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And you've gathered this information. It respects you in terms of like, it's a bit gamey, but it carries over collectibles and stuff. If you pick things up, you take them with yeah. you into the new time loop as right. well. You don't have to go around and gather all your resources again, which is another thing I found really like tiresome in 12 yeah. minutes going around picking up. And a lot of things you don't need, but you don't and know. That's, and that's sometimes. what's great when it clicks with Forgotten Sea is that like before the first time loop happened with me, I was really, really anxious because the whole thing is essentially you're in this city where if someone commits one sin, yeah. Um, everyone turns into gold essentially yes. and I was okay. right oh, sorry, I was do you right. not know the, like, the premise I, I literally know <laughs> nothing about it I okay. know that it's something to do with like the Roman Empire uh, me, is it okay I'll give you a quick premise because I'm sure yeah. the audience might want to know as well Cardi did it last yeah. week but you start off with a guy who's on a riverbed and you hear about there's this man who's gone missing in this old like Roman um architecture right uh, so you're tasked with going in after him and you fall down this hole and you fall into an ancient Roman city that's underneath right. the ground and then you then you go through a time portal uh, but then then you are you're in this roman city which is like it's not massive it's quite small which i think is like to its benefit because you don't mm -hmm. spend half yeah. your time exploring this thing. 100 uh and then you yeah like jesse said you're in this world where there's 23 people living there and they all live without sin and if anyone causes any sort of sin then the whole town will be turned into gold mm -hmm. and yeah. the idea is like that will happen a lot and then you've got to reset the day and go and get and work out who is going to commit the sin, what is going to happen, and how can you stop this from happening? Yeah, yeah. I, I, like it. That's it's like a it's a lofty premise, and it, and it's 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 odd, but it's so satisfying. Like because you you truly are engaged with all these twenty three people. You're constantly having massive conversations with them, trying to get nuggets of information that you can use to talk to the next person, and then you gain new information where you're like, okay, if I restart this day, then I can go and apply this earlier. For absolute, the whole mm. world's on a clock. So yeah. every, all so, these events are happening, you know? Does, do, can you run out of time then? Is it, how long is the time So loop? you can, uh, I'm pretty sure you can get to the end of the, I don't think I ever did it, but you get, you see the, the sun going down, you see it getting darker right. in the day, mm -hmm. and then there's a, there's a, a major event that happens during the day and sometimes you can go talk to someone later on they say that event's already happened and right. that event is like a, a key part there'll always yeah. be something that like triggers it though um, mm -hmm. i think i maybe hit it once but i'm not sure but there, yeah. there's there's lots there that can trigger it there's lots of options you can trigger it you can literally just go and steal something off somebody and immediately you trigger it you know so it's a game about like learning how to be in the right place at the right time then i guess yeah kind of like so um Yes, yeah, it's, it's learning where to be at the right time, how to prevent things like getting information off people so you can use it on your next loop. But it always mm. feels rewarding. Every bit of information you get, the dialogue immediately recognizes that and uses it for you. Like it'll immediately present, oh, you spoke to this person last time, so now you can say this information to them. And they always remember, it, it like really respects your time. And it'll be very clear when you get towards the end of the game how much it respects your time with when you restart the loop it's almost like mm -hmm. i said the fast forward button yeah, yeah. It's, it's very beneficial yeah it was um, it was quite like uh it was really really tense as well because i don't know how you felt but like before you committed the first sin or before like the first time loop happened i was like riding like a really fine line there are certain items where i knew my first loop i wasn't able to get because i didn't want to commit any sins because i wanted to see how far i could get 
and then once you take something you commit a sin the time loop begins again but it's just yeah. it doesn't like you said it's not it's not tedious and it does a great way of when you do need to you know take those steps again it kind of rewards you because you are learning new things each time 100% yeah you always feel like yeah you're gaining something from every loop which is the opposite of 12 minutes where I had several loops where I felt like nothing happened I gained mm-hmm. no information and I'm just trying yeah. to work out what to click yeah Basically. 12 minutes very much a trial and error sort of thing whereas the Forgotten City seems like it's more of a find the information the information will lead you to the next thing that you need yeah I would say it's bare like the trial is always just talk to everybody talk mm-hmm. and yeah. like learn and listen to what they're saying and learn how to implement it and it's not like you need to solve complex riddles the game will if you start the right conversations the game will hold your hand but there yeah. is also several conflicts where like like Skyrim style conversation and dialogue can get you out of them or mm-hmm. you could be involved in a conflict you know yeah. there, there's there's lots of variety and also I think it's important to say we haven't really gone too much into story and we're not going to obviously but it is a really like solid and interesting story and I really yeah. like the, the paths it takes as well there's multiple endings of course as well and one of the endings and um, once you've you only really know this I think when you finish the game but one of the endings you can trigger in one time you can end the game in one time loop like, oh yeah. it's like a Far Cry deal where like yeah. if you sit and wait for Pagan Min <laughs> I tried it out afterwards mm-hmm. and yeah I did it in about 15 minutes like finish yeah. the game and that. Like, if, it's, you, it's, if you know but you can only do it once you know the full story yeah. mm-hmm. it, it's those kind of surprises where like you know you, you might have to know the full story but you could accidentally stumble upon it like I did uh, like it's, did it's yeah yeah just <laughs> obviously i can't it's, it's yeah. frustrating because we can't talk about it but it really does reward like play and experimentation and stuff and obviously people who are you know keen to listen to conversations and you know outside of um just the story itself the the cast is quite good at like all the voice actors like yes do a solid job as well and gameplay wise there can be moments of a little bit of combat and a little bit of you know traversal and stuff like that but yeah. it will just plays well and it is genuinely fun i will get back to that voice actor thing in one second but the <laughs> i just wanted to say that i found oh god i've completely lost my train of thought now that threw me off <laughs> what, the, what else do i really love about that game basically it's a fantastic game and i yeah, recommend really that, that everybody check it out because oh that's what i've just remembered so um oh, there's obviously the the sort of mystery element to it like who is you know you're looking for a guilty party right mm-hmm. yeah and when you learn and meet all these people there's there's a guy called a magistrate who's like kind of in charge of the town um you can go to him and you can accuse any of them at any point <laughs> that uh. they're the ones and but there's a lot like jesse said there's so much experiment you can accuse x person and the magistrate will go okay get rid of them then like he's like i'll give you executive power to kill them <laughs> that means you're not committing a sin uh, okay. and, you, and you can go and kill them and then you'll find out actually that wasn't the person <laughs> and then you yeah. have to restart the loop again mm-hmm. but there's like, so many options for what you want to do with it it's, but I think it's what's so a good. cool twist is that you're not just learning like not every single bad thing is a sin as well mm-hmm. and you learn that whilst you're playing the game so you have direct things like you know you can't steal stuff and you can't kill people but there's kind of things that blur the line where oh no that's going to happen and then oh that might not be a sin there's people who kind of like apply that stuff as well yeah. it's like it's a big there's a big conversation of morality in the whole thing as well like it comes up <laughs> over and over again about what is right and wrong and how do you decide that in a society and stuff and like some people who don't believe in the golden rule that's what they, they call it by the way uh, because they've never experienced it because no one's committed a sin at this point and some people are saying is it just this urban myth that we've built up and why can yeah, we yeah. actually sit mm-hmm. and get away with it you know it's a 
it's a really fascinating game and like definitely check it out I'd say like it's, I think it's one of my favourite games of the year so far yeah 100% tell you what's fascinating is the fact that like so you've had 12 minutes and forgotten City quite close together Deathloop is obviously out in a couple of weeks another oh, shit, big yeah. kind of time looping game yeah. like th- that's quite a lot of time loop games to come out in yeah. like the space of three weeks of each other isn't it like there's something in the water clearly well yeah I guess they all played the Outer Worlds right and then uh, yeah, maybe yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, say, saying that Deathloop was definitely in production before then I would assume well you'd hope so wouldn't you yeah. I mean yeah. it's been but, a while since the last Dishonored game right yeah uh, anyway just back to like I said go back to the VO thing uh, we've got an email Jesse you're going to read it out because this person has provided us a game for the end of search as well but you might want Mm -hmm. to read the email beforehand which i think is really interesting absolutely so this is from jack he says just wanted to drop a quick message to say how cool it was to hear cardi talk so fondly about the forgotten city last week i'm a long-time listener of the podcast and i've always held all of your recommendations in high regard since lockdown i've moved over into voice acting and the forgotten city is one of my first major voice roles so to hear you like it as much as you did was surreal and lovely I play, I don't quite know how to pronounce that. Eulipis, isn't it? Eulipis, up on the cliff. So apologies for any grief I may or may not have given you, Simon. And without giving too much away, I hope you did the right thing. I've also put together a little game for the Endless Search based on an idea we had for our own podcast, Mockbusters, that Joe was kind enough to join us on last year. We never found a good way to work it into the show, so rather than waste it, I thought I'd hand it to you guys to try. Introducing Trailer Trash. Nice. Um... That's that's really cool, like getting voice acting. If yeah. you're a voice actor in a game, let us know, by the way, because that's like amazing. <laughs> that, that is always like something secretly I've always wanted to do, even if it's just a small role as like a Same. shit NPC, I've always wanted to get into it. <laughs> 100%, yeah. If you're looking to cast random NPCs in your game, we're up for it. Give I us will, a shout. I will do all the death screams needed. <laughs> I've got, we've got professional, because of coronavirus, we've all got professional mics at home now. We can record at home as well for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See? Jesse's got a voice changer. He can do all sorts of voices. What else you got, Jesse? Uh, you know what? I've already done that like, joke like three times in previous <laughs> ones. Anyway, so we've got a game. It's time for the Endless Search. Dun, dun, dun. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Shit. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Is it in the search? The rules are very simple, my friends. You'll be presented with a series of five clues from a trailer for a game, whether it's a quote from the trailer itself, something that happens in the trailer, a piece of music, or even a YouTube comment. These are the clues, and I'll be presenting them to you. Five points if you guess on clue one. Four points on yeah. clue two and onwards. You um, know Are the they rules. game trailers, movie trailers? Are they are game trailers only okay. in this scenario. Ah, interesting. Are you ready mm-hmm. to begin? Okay, game number one. Clue one. The camera slowly zooms out of a dead person's eye. Lost. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> Lost the video game. Via Domus. Shit game. Dead Island. Oh shit, you got it oh right. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> it's a little child it. at the beginning, isn't it? Yep, it is. Um, do you want to hear the other clues? Go on. <laughs> Clue two was YouTube comment. The marketing team and the actual developers must have lost all forms of contact, which is very true because that trailer is quite different mm. to the actual game. Clue number three is a happy family of three appears in the trailer. <laughs> Clue four, somber piano music plays throughout the trailer. 
and clue five there are zombies so that would have been <laughs> the big giveaway still right. there's a few games we would have guessed before we yeah. got to it well done all right well done absolutely killing it okay second game clue number one the main character is seen walking around a bright and colorful town Ooh, well, uh, sunset overdrive So I tell you what, I, w- I watched the trailer for Sunset Overdrive the like like literally a couple of days ago. That first trailer they did at E3 where it starts out as like a military shooter and then turns into like mm. Punk Zone. Actually <laughs> genuinely very good. Yeah. I never, never played that game. I like, it's quite it, fun. When it got announced, I was like, oh, that's cool. I want to check that out. Mm-hmm. And it just never happened. Yeah. Was it made by the people who did Ratchet Insomniac. and Clank? Insomniac, yeah. Oh. It's like Spider-Man mm-hmm. crew. Mm. Um, Colourful oh, God, town. Colourful city. Um, Oh, this could be loads of games and I can't think of a Mario game. A Mario Galaxy. <laughs> we happy few. Do you want the second clue? Yes, please. Yeah. The second clue is alpaca riding is one way to travel Dockery. around the game world. Yeah. There you go. Docker V, Docker V, whatever. I'm pleased you guys. I couldn't remember the name of that game, but yeah. absolutely that. Uh, the other clues are the, tr- the third clue was the trailer begins with the following text actual in-game and gameplay footage work in progress oh which, come on Jesse yeah, that's not a clue <laughs> I was joking <laughs> I wanted you to fail at that the fourth clue was at one point the main character is joined by a pink anteater creature as you fight enemies which I think is a bit more vague and then clue five is Korean pop tune Rockstar is played throughout the trailer which I think would have been a big giveaway are you keeping right. score by the way? yeah okay I've got it all here mate don't you made a spreadsheet <laughs> Yeah, I've got it. It's just actually two calculators on my screen right now. Have <laughs> you actually done that? Is that what you got? Two yeah. calculators. <laughs> you know, traditional right. pen and paper would work as well, mate. Mate, I'm all digital these days. I okay. just, I've always got a notebook. Always got a notebook. I need to get myself one of those, like, genuinely. <laughs> all right. The next game trailer mm-hmm. begins with a quote for clue one. A lion finds calm before the kill. Oh. Far Cry Primal. The Hunter? Is that what they're <laughs> called? Those games about shooting animals? Oh, God, yeah. Big Hunt Showdown. Yes. Oh, all that. Shit. <laughs> Do you want the other clue? Yes, please. This is a YouTube comment. Who knew you could gain so much power by owning a fast food restaurant? Owning a fast food restaurant? Oh, God. Is this like... I forget what the modern versions of them are called, but like a theme park game. Uh, Cooking Mama. (laughs) (laughs) What, with a lion? (laughs) Getting him for the kill? (laughs) Might be some weird form of marketing. Yeah, I think we need another clue, Jesse. All right, clue number three. Fireworks are used in a destructive manner. Far Cry um, 6. There you go. You got it. Yeah, we get it. Good job. What was the the restaurant thing clue? The restaurant one was because he was in, um, what was it? Breaking oh, Bad. Los oh, Palos yes. 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 Of course, yeah. That's it. Shot. I think you would have got clue five, which was a cute dog is featured as the pre-order bonus. Three thought. Three thought. Yes. <laughs> All right, then. So the next one begins with a quote. Clue one. Sooner or later, things are going to end up badly for all of us. Oh. Um. oh I have no idea. House of Ashes. <laughs> You're looking through the running order and thinking, Jesse's just made all the clues about the games. Yeah, yeah 12 minutes, Forgotten City, Dead Space. All right, do you want another clue? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. During the trailer, the text, Winner of the Writer's Guild Award, appears. Oh, 
Okay. Won an award. Um. Mm. Oh my god, I'm completely blanking on the name of it. Oh, um, what remains of Edith Finch? Anything? Matt? The Forgotten Sea. No. <laughs> I mean, that is correct. The Forgotten Sea. I said that before. You were jokingly saying that because you were just shit. listening. I said it. No, that's <laughs> not how it works. It doesn't that's matter. How it works, it doesn't mate. matter on my tone or content. Like, if I say the words, you give me the points. <laughs> I am the game master. No, you're a and shit I make one. The rules. <laughs> that is bullshit. I get. The I wanted to give Matt a better chance. <laughs> that's not how it works. It's competitive. I'm, give Dale the point that he deserves. <laughs> yeah, there Come we on, go. man. I've done it. Look at him getting so upset yeah, like, about an imaginary play by point. the rules. <laughs> All right. Next game. Yes. Are we yep. ready? Mm-hmm. Good. Clue one. The main character is seen running through a rain-soaked street before diving in through a window. Oh. I'm thinking of like a Blade Runner game, but I guess it's not that. Um, I don't know. The Last of Us Part 2. You want another clue? Mm-hmm. Clue two. This is from a YouTube comment. Arguably one of the best video game trailers of its generation. Oh my god! Okay. Mm. So it's old then. Bioshock. Mm. What well, really good? Oh, Dead Island was. We've already said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just try, think of iconic video game trailers. Hmm. Someone jumping through. So it says raining, and someone jumps through a window. Hmm. Does, you've seen this trailer does the glass shatter or is it like an open window I think the glass shatters from what right. I remember oh, okay. okay you said the, the, you said the last of us didn't you Matt yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the other clue may help do you want the third clue yeah during the opening of the trailer the main character escapes a burrowing tunnel that is rapidly approaching them burrowing tunnel it's approaching them so, like, something that's tunnelling underground, basically. Mm-hmm. Oh, Resident Evil Village? Um, um, I'm thinking of Total Recall. So <laughs> <laughs> do, do you want another clue or Matt? You like Gears of War 2? Gears of War? Gears of War 3? Gears of War. Yeah. Is it the one with uh, R.E.M. playing over it? It's, it's Mad World. It's the Mad yeah. World trailer. Oh, mm. uh, yes. There yes, we yes. go. So... We must be pretty even on points, right? Uh, you're ahead, Dale, at the moment. By how much? Well, you'll find out. It's, it's going to be a surprise. Whether you've got this is not how quizzes <laughs> work. <laughs> Listen, mate. If we ask for I an update, give us the now. update. I make the rules. Oh, my word. So you'll have to Don't watch a lot of quiz shows, do you, Jesse? <laughs> Fuck quiz shows. All right. Final one. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Clue one. A couple of children are seen playing with toy swords. Oh, that rings a bell immediately. Toy. Is that like heavy rain? It's <laughs> <laughs> another it game not. I thought about in a while. Well. <laughs> the children with their little shitty French accents. <laughs> yeah. Dress on. Dress on. Dress on. Classic. Buckwild ride that game yeah. is. <laughs> Do you need another clue? Oh, it's that, like Dale says, like that children with toy swords kind of does ring a bell to me. It's, it's not image. Final Fantasy VII uh, remake, is it? Oh, it is Final Fantasy nice. VII remake. Yes. Yeah. That, that is a very, go. like, worn trailer trope, though, isn't it? Like, kids acting out things that you're going to experience mm-hmm. later I figured on. that you lot would get it. I mean, 
I want to go through the other clues just to see if you lot would have got this. But clue two was, here's a quote from the trailer. Long ago, we looked upon a foreboding sky. Those are the first things. Is I that know an Aerith quote or something? Yeah, I know sure. it now. I know the game. I don't know if I would have yeah. got it in the moment. Yeah. Another one was YouTube comment. When the trailer came out, I was a freshman in high school. I'm in college now. <laughs> <laughs> and this one, you lot would have got. A withered flower can be seen resting on a cobblestone floor. Because that's what's her face's flower. That's yeah, Aerith's you flower. Say that. Yeah. I'm not convinced mm-hmm. I would have got them. <laughs> what? Well. Yeah. So what was the final score then? The winner is Matt with 13. You had 11, Dale. Uh, so close. Close. You got to X factor these things up, mate. You got to say, and the winner is long pause and then do the lower number first. And like, come on. Nah, mate. I've had enough. I want to get to the feedback. I want okay, to hear what the right, people yes. have to so say. Moving on to feedback. I've got the first piece, actually. Have I? Um, yes, I have. Yes, you do. Uh, this is from Stephen Geller. And he says, hi, all. Love your work, you wonderful people. That's so nice of you. Very nice. Very nice. I was listening to the most recent podcast and was enjoying the discussion about the new Alien game when Carly said something that immediately evoked some complex and powerful emotions in me. He said out loud for all to hear that he liked Prometheus. As a bastion of quality film recommendations, I couldn't believe that Carly had possibly enjoyed such a criminally bad movie in terms of writing, acting to some degree, and plot. I won't go into more details about my feelings about it, that have been reserved for uh, some lengthy Reddit posts when the movie came out. (laughs) But trust me, the posts were lengthy and very strongly worded. However, this got me thinking. No film is ever truly objectively bad or good. I said that the wrong way around. Even he wrote it, he wrote it good or bad, and I said it, I flipped it for some reason. And everyone has every right to enjoy every piece of media. So I was wondering, are there any pieces of media, can be a game, movie, artist, etc., that you passionately either love or hate contrary to popular consensus bonus points if you always feel compelled to defend your position with a passion whenever anyone has a different belief rather than just i don't think it was good or bad cheers and forever loving christ and all that is holy respect the sea rts um i also think prometheus is quite good Stephen. so <laughs> there's that Reddit post inbound <laughs> yeah. to your input. I don't mind. Yeah. Like, I don't think Prometheus yeah. is great. Uh, I think it's quite artistically nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I can barely remember what happened in it. Yeah. I've seen it several times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, 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 I think part of me is just I like because I like quite like Alien Covenant as well. I just I just yeah. love that. So world. I hate Covenant. I <laughs> okay. really hate Covenant. Well, was but, the main issue with Prometheus that people had was because how it affected the other films in terms of story. Was it the story that people so. disliked? I think, I mean, I remember being not a massive fan of it when it came out. And I remember my really juvenile reason was I really wanted it to lead to the start of Alien. Like I wanted mm-hmm. it to get, oh, and the okay. fact they were on a completely different world and you never saw an alien sort of be birthed. I found yeah. that really disappointing. Obviously now I know why they were doing that is because they were trying to draw out for a couple more movies and like stretch mm. it out. But um, I, there's something about those films that whole series in general that sort of I like even though I know I shouldn't like them mm-hmm. like like you said like Covenant like I don't I don't know why but I still quite find myself going back to it every now and again uh, same with yeah. like Alien Resurrection I've watched that so I don't mind Resurrection you know because Resurrection's a bit like it's not it doesn't feel like an Alien movie but it does feel like a good kind of B movie mm, in it, like, yeah. like the only it's, thing I hate about Resurrection is like ended man Oh, it's gross. Yeah. When the alien's getting sucked out and it's screaming, I was like, that's grim. Yeah, it's horrible. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's daft and it's weird and it's fun. And I actually think Winona Ryder's not actually too bad in it. Mm. Like her Android character's kind of interesting. Um, 
Prometheus, I think, has got like maybe admirably lofty goals. I think that's one of the things I liked mm. about it is it mm. tries to be very lofty, but ultimately, like, I don't remember a lot of it other than like the visual architecture and the yeah. visual design of that yeah. film. Do, do you um, have any like Marmite games or films though? Because I I can't really think. You of- definitely do, Jesse. Come on, you like I, I, you I mean, like and play lots of games that are fundamentally bad. <laughs> that's you know what it's because I think them I think they're good and then occasionally you lot be like those games are shit and then I brush those comments off and I don't remember what those games are <laughs> um, I think uh, it's a well what I've said on the podcast so many times but one for me is always Friday the 13th which I know fundamentally is a bad game but, but I love I love the experience of playing it so much it's yeah. like one of my favourite games of the year but I know deep down that it is not good but is there anybody out there that's going Friday the 13th is the worst multiplayer game ever made. No. There's nobody sitting there making that argument, is there? Well, so it's not we gave quite it like a 5 out of 10, to be fair. Hmm. It's, but is it's that the, person who gave it a 5 out of 10 still standing there on a hilltop shouting, maybe it's not. fucking trash? Yeah. Maybe yeah. Not. I, was, um, I was a big defender of, again, it probably falls on the same what you were just saying, Matt, but with No Man's Sky when it first came out, mm-hmm. I was quite a big defender of it, even though like, okay. I look back now and realise yeah that was uh, not much of a game was it back then but mm. there was something really i think the core loop which still exists was always really appealing to me mm-hmm. i just sort of romanticized it a bit more back then than i did See, that's more like it right like people yeah. really didn't like that game when it came out so mm. i think that fits the criteria what about you guys jesse you must be able to think of one of your games that you play no because a lot what of them like de- old- the, i know they're like kind of cool classics but you love the deadly premonition games right and i mean i'm i'm almost done with the first deadly premonition i'm still streaming through that and stuff but like i'm playing through that game because i enjoy the story gameplay wise it's complete shit mm-hmm. and i can't like comprehend anyone who defends how that game actually plays like you're playing that because of the story not how it plays because okay. it's fundamentally bad them, but i just know they're like you know they're cool favorites but they're kind yeah, of yeah. bad games right what about you matt have you got any um because I'm quite mild mannered, no, I don't get that <laughs> get that angry about things. But I know, like for example, kind of like um, wrong person to talk to because I know that you hate Doctor Who, Dale. But um, with like obviously there are people that really don't like Doctor Who. I wouldn't say like I am devout as you see a lot of like Whovians that turn mm. up to conventions dressed as fucking Tom Baker. <laughs> um, but I like Doctor Who. But yeah. within the Doctor Who kind of fandom. I like the stuff that most people don't like. Yeah. I like the Stephen Moffat stuff, and most people didn't like Stephen Moffat stuff. And I will yeah. defend his kind of stuff. I think it was quite interesting. Um, but I suppose I know in games like recently, um, everybody loves Ghost of Tsushima, and I've never got it. Like mm-hmm. for me, I just don't understand what the appeal of it is. I yeah, think it's I... a very bog standard open world game. Yeah, I couldn't get around uh, to finishing it. Um, at all. So, so that's the most recent thing that I can think of where I'm just looking at people and going, I don't, I don't know where your minds are. Yeah, I think, I think, I think there's, I could think of a million examples where it's games where I think they're like a seven out of ten, but people are talking about them as game of the year contenders. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that really fits maybe the remit of what we're looking at. No, here. Mm. So looking at like, and with the Doctor Who thing, by the way, <laughs> I think. I've never really watched it. It's more you'd ba- hate it, Dale. You'd hate it. I, I would I hate it. You're right, but it's more of a it was more of a childhood thing because my mom and dad insist they loved it and they insisted on every right. Christmas we watched Doctor Who and I would just didn't want to watch it and I would go and mm-hmm. leave the room and it was almost like the thing that ruined Christmas Day for me every year. Oh no! <laughs> so I know it's a bit like um, when it comes to science fiction, I'm not a massive fan of like low budget stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's very mm-hmm. much campy low budget. That's Doctor Who's vibe, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I wasn't into that really. Yeah, anyway, should we move up? Thanks for that, Stephen. Uh, mm-hmm. Matt, you're up next. 
Yeah, so this one's from M. James, who says, hey, y'all. Is that, that's how you say it, y'all, isn't it? You're not it? allowed to say it, Matt. No. You're definitely not allowed to say y'all. <laughs> no, I didn't pick it would be. Um, first of all, love the pods. I have a 90-minute drive to work. So a 90-minute drive to work. Wow, dedicated. Uh, so right now, it's just the right length to keep me occupied on the way there. Obviously, you've talked a lot about Marvel's TV show offerings on Disney+. Plus. Personally, I loved WandaVision. Fort Falcon and the Winter Soldier was bang average. <laughs> I'm still working my way through Loki. Another Marvel show on the platform that doesn't seem to get any attention, though, is MODOK. MODOK is not a character I was overly familiar with at first, and at first glance, the show felt like a robot chicken-style sitcom about a deadbeat dad going through a divorce with a Marvel skin on it. However, after reading up a bit more on the comic book story of MODOK, I began to realise how much lore the show's creators have managed to slip in and come to view it as a very clever show. Even Modoc's wife and children are based upon comic, based upon a comic book storyline where Modoc created himself a family of adaptoids with the same names as the characters in the show. With a bit more knowledge about the character, the show became much more enjoyable, so I was wondering if any of you have watched it, and if so, what did you think? Many thanks, and if we want to respect the sea, we need to stop fishing in it. Peace. <laughs> First point to make that point, but true. Uh, I, I know nothing, or I haven't watched it. Matt, I assume you... No, 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 no. So I, I thought that I th you, you're at least aware of Modoc, right? And like I, his I, history, I guess. Yeah, well, I'm aware of Modoc as a character. I've only probably read about four comics with him in. Um, okay. I've always thought it was a bit of a joke character. Personally, yeah. does he mainly go up against the X Men? Because like. So the ones that I've read it in are more Avengers comics. Oh, okay, right. He's a he's a big face. Yeah, the only thing yeah, I know from is Marvel vs. Capcom, which is mm -hmm. just like he's a very novel character. Yeah, he's the key villain, obviously, in the Marvel's Avengers game. You oh, know, yeah. the Square Enix one. He is oh, yes, the main villain yeah. of that. Mm. Um, That's a different presentation of him, though, right? It's not the giant <laughs> heads with little legs. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, he does you know spoilers for a game that's been it's out fine. over a year now but he does become a big head with little legs that's, it, yeah. Yeah, that kind of, mm -hmm. that's the only thing i've heard that makes me want to carry on playing that avengers game <laughs> just to see that um but no i'm aware because it's pat oswalt isn't it that plays yeah. him in this version mm -hmm. um do you know what i because i think in america it's a hulu show and okay. i always forget that hulu gets combined with disney plus over here yeah. so it would be available and i think i didn't realize that same yeah, so yeah i think mm -hmm. the stuff that is on hulu though i don't think very much gets pushed to the front page of disney plus over here mm. or certainly not my version of disney plus anyway yeah. which is largely used just to simply watch the stuff i have to work on because i don't actually watch a lot of stuff on disney plus yeah we started me and my wife started watching a new show on disney plus uh, two days ago we thought we'd start it from the beginning mm -hmm. it's called lost baby <laughs> <laughs> is that on the star <laughs> side yeah yeah mm -hmm. well, this will be my ninth time round. so yeah. nine times yeah, dale yeah, yeah. how many I, seasons are there six but uh i'm a fan I don't think oh, I've yeah. <laughs> I've kept it quiet until now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like Disney Plus is pretty much the Marvel shows for work. And then occasionally yeah. like watch. Because yeah. they've got alien films on there now as well. So yeah. I've watched them. Well, well I was actually going to do, um, I'm going to do an alien watch through nice. yeah, probably fairly soon. But I watched like the, the three good, well, I say three good, the one good Pirates of the Caribbean and the two bits that finish that story that are. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, might I was going to ask, do you lot like engage much in just Marvel like engage. media and just stuff like that outside of engage work? Marvel I don't engage with anything. Fucking well, no, what I'm, you, you lot know what I'm saying. It's like, do <laughs> yeah, you yeah. keep up with any of this stuff like outside do you mean, of what, work? Uh, 
me personally no because i don't read the comics and the only yeah. shows i watch are kind of well i'm enjoying them but i watch them for mm. work i i would say with shang chi like honestly i'm not really bothered about going to watch it i might wait until i can watch it on sky or something yeah um, but yeah but i think that's more marvel fatigue than anything but matt you're, mm. you're like you you're a big comic yeah obviously obviously. i'm I'm quite in, like I I don't read the comics so much um, uh, with as much frequency anymore because I actually find that like the television shows and the movies kind of sedate my need for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but um, so, like I like Marvel in general. I always tend to be aware of what is out there. Like I'm aware of what the upcoming comic book runs are. So if there yeah. are ones that inspire you like, me to read into. them, I'll jump yeah. onto them. Um, but um, I think you know M probably makes a point in that like that robot chickeny kind of look probably put me off it because I was never really yeah. into robot chicken at all. Um, but hey, maybe I'll give it a go if it's yeah. good. I imagine mm. it's only on for like twenty minutes an episode, so yeah, it's not like it's a commitment. Little brief side point: I, Have you guys watched the latest What If? Not going to mm-hmm. spoil yeah. it. Not going to spoil it. Anyone? I find myself every week like paying less and less attention to those episodes I don't I think I'm going to start watching it I don't know if it's for me and it's not because I don't think it's bad mm-hmm. I just I find it really hard to keep my attention with them I don't right know you, what are you guys thinking I about? quite like them because they're very very comic booky mm. which yeah. is what I like there's as as comic booky as the MCU is and, and is progressively getting more like it Marvel's comic output is always a little bit more outlandish than what they make right. it because the films are designed to be more realistic interpretations of that universe whereas i quite like the ability of what if to just kind of do whatever the heck Mm. it wants and also i think in the modern day we've basically lost the ability to do episodic television and i've realized i actually really miss this like i grew up on buffy basically which you know that and the x-files gave me a different self-contained story every week pretty much and now everything is very very serialized and Mm. I sometimes don't have the ability to just keep watching serialized things sure. and hold attention across 10 episodes or whatever. So yeah. I quite like that I just drop in for half an hour and it flashes images at me and they're kind of fun and then I disappear and I, I just that. got everything. I yeah, that. for sure. I feel the same way. Yeah, it's just not for me then, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, last email, Jesse, you're up. This is from Chris Carr and he says... Hi all, my reason for writing is something which I feel you may have discussed before, but I thought I would bring it up again. I've recently moved into new digs and I have a 15 week old Labrador puppy. Aww. There we go. He specifically <laughs> said pause for the coup in to end. So he is wonderful and as you would imagine, but good golly does he like to bite and chew everything. This includes plants. I have a range of all year plants and shrubs that previous owners planted and Cooper Cooper loves to sit and chew them. One plant is his favorite and it was getting trampled to death by silly, by silly other sized puppy paws. I don't have twine or string, but I do have a palm tree that sheds leaves like it's going out of fashion. Then I remembered my training. I've recently been playing Deep Stranded and whilst dehydration was a- It's good, isn't it? What, he he is it? did write Deep Stranded, it's called Stranded Deep, yeah. Oh, maybe he's got the new sequel. Who knows? <laughs> That'd be a great name for a sequel, wouldn't it? Deep stranded. <laughs> and he goes on to say, whilst dehydration was a big problem and still is, I could scout crafting materials like the best of them. I remembered the leaves can be used as bindings, so I grabbed a fallen palm leaf and binded this plant with it. It held. I felt like I channeled the power of my rudimentary ancestors. I was a god for a few <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Three days have passed and the bindings are holding. Nice. I am all that is man. (laughs) 
My question for you all is what skill technique info from a game have you applied in real life? The only time I can remember applying gaming knowledge to real life challenges is during a school sports day where I convinced myself I won the javelin competition because I waited for the, the bunting to be flapping like crazy. So I advantage. Oh, fantastic. Just like how you win, um, what's it? The Caber, Caber? Caber toss and the oh, okay. spitting competition yeah, in Monkey Island, Island too. Yeah, Lovely. Caber competition in classic Monkey Island. Sorry, spoilers. Finally, if you don't have a song to play out when I, um, when I was thinking of the Caber toss, it reminded me of the 90s Euro trash classic, I'm Blue. But is that, oh, I thought I said Eurovision. I was going to be very surprised for a second. Um, you know, you want to play it. Respect the sea, yet reach for the stars. Uh, we do want to play it, and we're going to play it. That's why I put that email <laughs> at the end, because it is a banger. Um, and I'm old enough to viv- <laughs> like vividly remember that song. Um, do you remember this song, Jesse? Are you aware of the classic by Eiffel 65? Yeah, 100%. Oh, nice. Uh, we have had this before, because I remember, Jesse, you spoke about the, was it the flight simulator stuff, maybe? Um, what in, in like the idea of using like practical skills from video games transfer into real life didn't you oh, actually maybe no because no, you're not remember, flying I, a plane no <laughs> <laughs> I remember discussing flight simulator and how you know I found it important for the for the time and stuff mm. but um, I guess to answer that question this is going to be a very me answer but I like to play a lot of war games right and You've learned as about a child yes no but um <laughs> As a child and stuff, like I was fascinated with like weapon historians and yes. weapon history and experts and stuff like that. So when I joined the army cadets, the only rifle you get in that is the L98A2 GP cadet rifle. And that's basically an SA-80 for those who like battlefield and shit. Okay. And playing and learning how to use that in real life and then seeing how those animations like and actions I use in real life apply to games and stuff. There was a bit of crossover mm. like that and just weapons in general like when it comes to airsoft just seeing how things mechanically work if a game is really good applies okay. to real life as well funnily enough but all my mm. stuff is basically weapons <laughs> okay i had well, i had a weapons one but it's not i wasn't successful <laughs> but because i've been years of playing in video games i felt like i was going to be successful which is um i went and last summer i did um archery stuff Oh, I've never okay. done archery in my life, but because I've done so much archery in video games, I was like, yeah. I got this shit. Could was, you imagine a little cross there in took, front of you? Yeah, when you're- yeah. it took me, <laughs> and like every, the guy kept coming up and adjusting my stance like every five seconds, like you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong. I was like, but I mean, it took me a few hours. I finally got to grips with it, but it is not mm. as easy as it looks in games. That's for sure. Yeah. What about you, Matt? Anything um, transferable skills? Th- this is more of just something that I that I know of as a fact, but basically, um, apparently, according to research, people who play games are better at reading maps because you're reading maps oh. in games all the time. Yeah. And most people don't actually have to read maps. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> it's you know, not a regular life skill. That is generally a good point because when I play armor, that uses you know somewhat of a realistic-looking map and you know like judging distances from kilometer to kilometer works, and then. Funnily enough, I also learned that skill in Army Cadets as well. So <laughs> it's like it all applies to first person and third person shooters, my skill. I feel like if ever I have to do in real life pipe puzzles, mm-hmm. then I like my years of playing Bioshock will like, they'll finally You're get the plumber. benefit out of that. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know what they say about plumbing, mate? It's like water Lego. It's fine. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that's a quote from Peep Show, by the way. Uh, okay, that's it. We're going to go out with Eiffel 65. It's been a good chat today, boys. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Right. We've got a long <laughs> weekend now as well, so have a great one. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. Bye.